Masato ma sadgamaya Tamaso ma jyotir gamaya Mrityur ma mritam gamaya Om shanti 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 Harihi Om Lead us from the unreal to the real Lead us from darkness unto light. Lead us from death to immortality. Om, peace, peace, peace. So we are studying this introductory text, Drig Drishya Viveka, and uh, we are well on our way through the text. Now, let us chant the three mantras, three shlokas dealing with the internal meditation that is from 24 verse number 24 25 and 26 let's chant them Kamadhyashchittagadrishya Kamadhyashchittagadrishya Tatsakshitvena Chetanam Dhyaye drishyanu vidhoyam Samadhi savikalpaka Asanga satchidananda Saprabho dvaita varjita Asmiti Shabda Vidhoyam Samadhi Savikalpaka Swanubhuti Rasaveshat Drishya Shabda Vupekshatu Nirvikalpa samadhisyat Nivata stita deepavat If you are not familiar with Sanskrit, don't let all this Sanskrit put you off. Because the whole thing, we are doing the whole thing in English. And uh, we are chanting the Sanskrit and using the Sanskrit just to get a flavor of the original. Now, where were we? You see, Advaita holds that Brahman alone is real. Existence, consciousness, bliss, absolute. Within ourselves and in this world outside. Within ourselves what happens is, Pure consciousness, the witness, gets reflected in the mind. Gets reflected in the mind and is termed the reflection of consciousness. Chidabhas, a reflection of consciousness. None of it is speculation. It's what we are feeling right now. All of us are feeling conscious, hopefully. And this consciousness that we feel now, that we feel ourselves as aware, sentient, conscious beings. This consciousness is the reflection of the witness of pure consciousness. 
This consciousness, using the mind, becomes the knower. Becomes the knower. The witness reflected in the mind, in the reflected consciousness with the mind, becomes the knower. Sabhasa antakkarana, sabhasa buddhi, according to, in, in the Sanskrit term. It becomes the knower. Keep this distinction in mind, the witness and the knower. What we feel ourselves just now, all the time, whether we study Vedanta or not, what we feel ourselves to be is the knower. The one who sees, the one who hears, the one who thinks, the knower. And who we are really is the witness. This distinction between the witness and the knower, in Sanskrit terms, the distinction between Sakshi and Pramata is obscured by ignorance, by the veiling power of Maya. This distinction between the witness and the knower Sakshi and Pramata is obscured by the veiling power of Maya. Where? Within us. Inside us, all the time. So we, we are not aware of ourselves as a witness. We may read about the witness, we may read about Drigrishya Viveka, but we think of ourselves, believe ourselves to be, and function as the knower, the knowing subject. So that's the, that is the situation within us. And externally, when we look at the world around us, when we experience the world around us, Vedanta insists that it is Brahman, pure existence, but it is overlaid with a layer of name and form. By the projecting power of Maya, a veil of name and form covers pure existence. So what we are experiencing, we are experiencing the world, we are experiencing Brahman as pure existence plus name and form. So whatever we see in this world, whatever we experience in this world, <coughs> is Brahman, existence, consciousness, bliss, with name and form. The name and form being a product of Maya. <coughs> so now, the, our task becomes now, Within ourselves, how do we know that we are the witness, not the knower? And externally, in the world outside, how do we know Brahman, which is covered by name and form? <coughs> so how do we make this distinction? And these six techniques of Samadhi, six meditative techniques which are being discussed now, they help us to make this distinction. The distinction between the witness and the knower within us. Between Brahman, the pure existence, and name and form outside us. Now we have already discussed the three internal techniques. What are the six techniques? Even if you don't remember, let, I'll refresh your memory. The six techniques are three internal and three external. The internal techniques are, let me just give you the Sanskrit names first and then the English translations, which are very cumbersome. The internal names are Antara, um, Drishyanuvidha, Savikalpaka Samadhi, number one. Antara, Shabdanuvidha, Savikalpaka Samadhi, number two. Antara, Nirvikalpaka Samadhi, number three. Externally, Bahya, Drishyanuvidha, 
ಸವಿಕಲ್ಪಕ ಸಮಾಧಿ ಬಾಹ್ಯ ಶಬ್ದಾನುವಿದ್ಧ ಸವಿಕಲ್ಪಕ ಸಮಾಧಿ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಬಾಹ್ಯ ನಿರ್ವಿಕಲ್ಪಕ ಸಮಾಧಿ ಇಂಟರ್ನಲಿ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಟರ್ನಲಿ ವಾಟ್ ಆರ್ ದ ಇಂಗ್ಲಿಷ್ ಟ್ರಾನ್ಸ್ಲೇಷನ್ಸ್ ಜಸ್ಟ್ ಫಾರ್ ಫನ್ ಐ ಟ್ರಾನ್ಸ್ಲೇಟ್ ಇಲ್ ಜಸ್ಟ್ ಸರ್ವ್ ಟು ಕನ್ಫ್ಯೂಸ್ ಯು ಇಂಟರ್ನಲ್ ಆಬ್ಜೆಕ್ಟ್ ಬೇಸ್ಡ್ ಮೆಡಿಟೇಷನ್ ವಿತ್ ಡಿಸ್ಟಿಂಕ್ಷನ್ ಆಫ್ ನೋಡ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ನೋನ್ ಸವಿಕಲ್ಪಕ ಇಂಟರ್ನಲ್ ಟೆಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ ಬೇಸ್ಡ್ ಮೆಡಿಟೇಷನ್ ವಿತ್ ದ ಡಿಸ್ಟಿಂಕ್ಷನ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿ ನೋಡ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದಿ ನೋನ್ ಇಂಟರ್ನಲ್ ನಿರ್ವಿಕಲ್ಪಕ ಸಮಾಧಿ ದಸ್ ಇಸ್ ದಿ ಹೈಯೆಸ್ಟ್ ಸಮಾಧಿ ವಿದೌಟ್ ಡಿಸ್ಟಿಂಕ್ಷನ್ ಆಫ್ ನೋಡ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ನೋನ್ ಥ್ಯಾಂಕ್ ಯು so these are the six techniques we have seen the first three techniques what did we see see what they do is when you want to distinguish when you want to realize yourself as the witness within the technique that they take up is take up any thought any thought any perception whatever comes to your mind and instead of focusing on the thought become aware of yourself as the consciousness illumining the thought let me repeat that thought arises in your consciousness Now instead of thinking of the thought itself turn back use the thought to turn back to the witnessing consciousness it's like if you take up a mirror immediately you will see your face in the mirror now use that mirror and the reflected face to become aware of the real face you will not be able to see the real face directly become aware that here is a face which is being reflected here it's not the fault of the reflection that it looks so ugly it's here <laughs> but your true nature let me guarantee you is not at all ugly it is pure consciousness that is being reflected in the mind and which illumines any thought so instead of thinking the thought instead of being carried away by the thought stream use that to reflect back back upon the the witnessing consciousness you can see immediately that it is different from any kind of meditation that we have read about or thought about or studied even practiced most meditation techniques which are based on the yoga traditions are techniques of concentration you take up an object and you concentrate on it mind goes here and there bring it back and concentrate on it the method of concentration on a picture on an image on a sound on a mantra these are all methods of concentration the mind tends to flow here and there bring it back focus it that's one kind of meditation there's another kind of meditation in the buddhist traditions which are awareness techniques where you don't concentrate on anything in particular just be alert and aware and see whatever is arising and subsiding sounds sights sensations feelings thoughts ideas or the absence of sounds sights feelings thoughts sensations ideas memories so aware that it has come it has gone these are two main streams of meditation here we are doing something entirely different you're not trying to focus on a thought you're not even trying to be aware of all the thoughts as they come and go rather when any thought comes be aware of the consciousness in which it is shining just know that you are the witness consciousness 
That's all. That is called drishyanuvidha savikalpaka samadhi. What do you do next? Once you are aware of the witnessing consciousness, you cannot be directly aware. No more than you can see the original face in the mirror. You can only see the reflected face in the mirror, but the reflected face tells you that you have an original face. Now when you are aware of that, drop that thought. Drop the object which you are using to become aware of yourself. Drop the mirror. How do you do that? To help you to do that, there is a Vedantic text. That's the second kind of internal meditation. A Vedantic text which says, um, Asanga Satchidananda Swaprabha Dvaita Vajjita. This pure consciousness, the witness, is Asanga, unattached. Don't just repeat it to yourself. Repeat it mentally, but don't just repeat it. Just see that it is true. This is the most important thing. See that as much as this is a glass of water, here is a glass with water, it's a fact. Similarly, see the fact that the witness is unattached to anything in this universe. External world, physical body, sensations, your memories, nothing. You are not attached to any of them. Asanga. Satchidananda, that it is existence, that it is consciousness, that it is bliss. That it is self-effulgent. Because of it, you are aware of everything. That which illumines itself and everything else. Reveals itself and illumines everything else. Just as the light, when you switch it on, it illumines everything in the room and reveals itself. You don't need another light to know the light. In the same way, you are that consciousness because of which everything becomes illumined. All your knowledge comes because of that witness consciousness. And that witness consciousness is itself self-effulgent. And finally see that Dvaita Vajjita, that there is nothing else except that witness consciousness. There is a logic to that, I will not go into that now. And then finally what happens? When you hold on to this, having dropped off the object, the thought, just the text, which keeps on, what does the text do? It stabilizes you. It stabilizes you in your uh, true nature as the witness. It just stabilizes you. It does not allow you to flow back into thinking. Thinking, remembering, seeing things, interacting with the world. It stabilizes your awareness that you are the witness. After that, what do you do? You drop that text also. He says, Drishya Shabda Upeksha. You have already dropped the thought, now drop that text also. And you remain as the witness. Don't try to remain as the witness. You remain as the witness. This will happen by itself. This will happen by itself. As a pole vaulter with a long pole races to the bar and plants the pole down firmly and vaults over. And let's go of the pole. Don't hold on to the text. Oh, it's a nice text. Let me hold on to that. Or the thought verse. It's a nice thought. Let me hold on to the thought. Then you'll, it's like the pole vaulter who's going over the pole and thinks, it's a nice pole. It brought me up to here. Why should I let it go? Let me take it. Disaster. <laughs> it's like a man who crosses the river with a boat and reaching the other bank is so, and so much in love with the boat. Let's, let me carry it carry it in, into the streets, across the bank, into the city. No. The Sanskrit word upaya means that which you use to do something and then let go when your task is done. 
So the thought is an upaya. You use it to become aware of yourself as the witness. The Vedantic text, Asanga Satchidananda Swaprabha Dvaita Vajjita, is an upaya. Use it to become stabilized as the witness. And when Nirvikalpaka Samadhi comes, it should come by itself. You can't force it. It should come by itself. You just drop it. Don't try to do anything then. So these are the three stages. The text you should memorize. You need not memorize the Sanskrit if you don't want to, but at least the English. The Sanskrit, Asanga Satchidananda Swaprabha Dvaita Varjita, repeat it mentally when you are aware of yourself as the witness. Or in English, I am completely unattached. I am pure existence, pure consciousness, pure bliss. I am self-effulgent, self-luminous. I am without a second. There is nothing else apart from this pure consciousness which I am. Repeat that and see that it is true. See that it is true. It's not, you're not repeating it um, like a chant. You're just repeating it as the truth, as a fact. Just to remain there. And then let it drop off into Nirvikalpaka Samadhi. So, the traditional ways to memorize. In uh, traditional schools in the Himalayas, they won't allow you to come to the next class unless you already memorized what was taught in the earlier class. So the art of memory is something that we have lost um, over the years. It's a very interesting book, very catchily titled, Moonwalking with Einstein. The name of the book is Moonwalking with Einstein. Um, um, Joseph Foyer, I think. Josh Foyer. Josh Foyer. Uh, there he talks about the art of memory. I, I borrowed the book from the library, but I couldn't read it before the time was up. So I went to return it, and the lady at the counter said, Oh, that, look, that looks cool. Uh, I said, I couldn't read it, the time is up. She said, no, no, you should, you should read it. You, she reissued it to me. And so then finally I did read it. And it talks about the, the lost art of memory, that at one time everything was memorized. All that was important was memorized. And it's very useful in spiritual life to have the key texts memorized. So you don't have to memorize the whole book. There are people who do that. Even now, I remember a friend of mine, a monk, when we were novices in the training center, he came uh, from another center, Bhuvaneshwar. And he came to the training center. And this young monk, who was a, was a novice at that time, within three years, two years of his joining, he had memorized the entire Bhagavad Gita, he had memorized eight Upanishads, he had memorized the Vivek Churamani, he had memorized uh, um, uh, one or two other big texts. I said, how did you do that? And he said, oh, the Swami in charge put me to work in the bookshop. So what did I do? First of all, he read the books. And the ones, important ones, he memorized all of them while he was working in the bookshop. So it just goes to show that. <laughs> um, the traditional examination for a pandit is called Shalaka Pariksha, where they will take a Sanskrit text, a manuscript, and drive a needle through it. And where the needle stops, they will open the text. Whether it has stopped, they will ask the student to recite that, that page first and then explain it. 
So that person has to memorize the whole book. Sanskrit pundits do that. And I thought that was impressive until I read in this Moonwalking with Einstein that uh, there's similar tradition for Talmud scholars, Jewish scholars in Judaism, the scholars of the Talmud. And they go a step further. They in fact have that needle examination also. And what they do is they memorize their own book so thoroughly that when a needle is pushed through the text, it seems that's what the book says, it seems that not only the person will read out what is there in the page in which the needle stopped, but by looking at where the needle was put, he will tell you through which word in each page the needle has gone through. He knows it's his own text, so he knows each page so thoroughly. If you put it in one place, he knows what is all there below it, on the, all the pages down. So, tremendous. Anyway, so we can do this much. We can only memorize the single sentence, the Vedantic text. Now, external world. Remember one thing. Our attachment to the body, our identification with the body gives rise to internal and external. After all, what is inside and outside? Inside this skin and outside the skin. Isn't it? Inside this head and outside this head. What is east-west, not south? It's just because of the word way we have got our map. What is front and behind? It's just because you are identified with the body and way you are standing and facing, then you have a front and you have a behind and you have a, a, an above and a below. It's all identification with the body. The whole thing is a superimposition. So, external world. All this world we see around, the Vedantin claims it is pure existence. It is pure existence. It's like, here there are so many pieces of furniture. I give the example of furniture and wood. Here is a table. Its a, name is a table, the form is of a table, but the material is wood. If you weigh the wood and weigh the table, you'll get exactly the same weight. Which means there is not one milligram more in this or an ounce more in this other than the wood which constitutes it. The reality of this table is the reality, is, is the wood itself. Now, how do you recognize the wood apart from the name table and the farm table? Because we know what is meant by wood and we know what is meant by table, it's easy for us. If I say, look at the table, you say, yes, Swami, I'm looking at the table. If I say, look at the wood, say, yes, Swami, I'm looking at the wood. After all, when we touch this, we say, touch wood. We don't say, touch table, we say, touch wood. We recognize that it's wood. In the same way, this entire universe which we experience is pure existence, sat. The Sanskrit word is sat, pure existence. With an overlay of name and form. Whatever we see, a person, a man, it's a man name and a man form, it is existence first. Swami Vivekananda says, it is that existence first, then we cover it with good or bad and we call it a good thing or a bad thing. It's existence first. Now, how do you distinguish this existence in anything that we experience from the name and the form? How do you do that? It's like when you go to see a movie, it is actually a screen on which light is projected and pictures are projected. The whole screen is covered by pictures. But whenever it is covered by the pictures, it's just the screen itself. At every point there is a picture, but in reality it's, it's a screen. Now, how do you distinguish between the picture and the screen? You cannot switch off this movie. That movie maybe you can switch off. But the movie of life you cannot switch off. 
When you do switch it off at night, you are not thinking anymore, so you can't distinguish. You have switched yourself off also, the mind is also switched off. So how do you distinguish between the reality and the appearance right now? The reality and the appearance right now. And that takes me back to my, again to my training center days. There's a famous book called Reality and Appearance by a professor Bradley, F.H. Bradley. He was a professor in, uh, I think, Oxford or Cambridge, I forget, at the beginning of the 20th century. Famous philosopher. And his book, his famous book is Appearance and Reality. So we had a philosopher coming to teach us philosophy when we were novices. And I wanted to read that book. And the teacher was so happy. He said, Swami, nobody wants to read these books now. So I'll take time off from my afternoon nap. And if you're from India, you know how big a thing that is. I'll take time off from my afternoon nap. And you take time off from your afternoon nap. And we'll sit and read this book. So we read, but I didn't come to the reality. There are two chapters, two sections, appearance and reality. So we read about the appearance, but I never finally got to the reality section anyway. But how do you distinguish the appearance from the reality? Name and form from pure existence. Here we have three techniques. Let us see. Verse number 27. Ridi Three techniques. The first one, he says, just as you did, Ridiva means just as you did internally. The three techniques internally. Now open your eyes. Open your eyes. Look at the world. So, no, I'm going to meditate. How can I open my eyes? This is a meditation with eyes open. You have to look at the world. And see something. See what thing? Anything. Anything. After all, if you are going to recognize clay, which pot should you see? Which clay pot should you see? Any clay pot. If you are going to recognize the water in the wave, which wave should you see? Any wave. If you are going to recognize pure existence, which thing should you see? Any existing thing. So take up any existing thing. And he says... Yasmin Kashmin Stavastuni, in anything. It could be a picture, a, a person, a thing. And then what do you do? Nama Rupa Prithakriti, Sanmatra. From existence itself, separate the name and form. Separate how? You cannot physically separate name and form from the existence. Just as you cannot physically separate the table from the wood. Right here. In this example, you cannot physically separate the table from the wood. Table would disappear. The wood will still exist. Now, what you can do is recognize the table as wood. Recognize the table as wood. Another memory. About 10 years ago, we were going with some senior swamis to visit a gentleman, a devotee, who was very old and living in an assisted living facility near Calcutta. Now this devotee is a, is a philosopher. I am assuming he's still alive. He is a philosopher and a very interesting person. And uh, I will not take his name on the assumption that he's still alive. So his thing is, he is not convinced that God exists. So for the last 50 years, he's, been, he's thinking about this problem. Does God exist or not? 
And once he decides that God exists, then he will take initiation, mantra. And then start spiritual practices. So 50 years he's been going on. He's tremendously well-read in Eastern and Western philosophy. Now, so we went with a group of swamis to visit that place, and I was a very young novice at that time. I just wanted to see the senior swamis in action. So we were having tea, and I was sitting at the side with another novice, a friend of mine. And the senior swamis, there was Swami Mumukshanandaji, Swami Ramanandaji, Swami Suhitanandaji, um, uh, Swami Shivamayanandaji. So all of these people were there. And the Swami in charge of that assisted living facility in Bodhisha, he said to this philosopher, Sir, the senior Swamis are here. They will solve your, all your questions. So ask your question. And his question was, literally, what is the practice of Ajatavada? What is the practice of the highest non-dualism? How do you say the world is not there, only Brahman is there? And the Swami who responded was um, Swami Mumukshanandaji. He gave a beautiful little story to exp explain it. He says, imagine a little boy who lived with his parents in the heart of a forest, far away from the city and amenities of city life. And one day his father takes him to the village and to a person's house where there is furniture, table and a chair. And his father explains to the son, son, this is called a table, this is called a chair. And his son says, where is the table? This is a table. No, it's wood. Where is the chair? This is chair. No, it's wood. Now the father says, no, this particular name and form, and when you make it like this, it's called a table. He says, what is a table in this? Other than wood, what else is there? What new thing called table is there? It's a name and form, we would say. But name and form is not a thing. If it was a thing, you could show it apart from the wood. Can you show me the table apart from the wood? You cannot. So he sees the reality. And then Mumukshanji said, in the same way, the realized soul sees Brahman alone. For him, there is no such thing as a world. No such independent reality called the world. It's God and God alone, Brahman and Brahman alone. So this is a fantastic explanation, I thought. This is what they are asking us to do. It works like this. About table and wood, we can understand. Let's apply it to Brahman, pure existence and this world. Let's see how it works. Look around you. He says, look at anything in the world. Here you have people, man, woman, chair, table, chandelier, room, city, ocean, the world, stars, atoms. And all our experience is what? Table exists. Look at the person next to you. Man exists. Woman exists exists. Don't you say? Table is. Here's a table. And you see, you not only see a table, you experience the table as existing table. We all experience things as existing. If they did not exist, we wouldn't experience them. So we all experience everything all the time as existing. It's such a common thing that we never notice it. In the commentary on the Gita Shloka 16, Second chapter, 16th shloka, Nasato Vidyate Bhava, Shankaracharya says, every experience which we have, if you show, show a person, uh, what, what are you seeing? Ghatta, a pot. But actually it's not one experience, you're having two experiences. Ghatta, Asti. Pot exists. Glass exists. Water exists. This is what you're experiencing, isn't it? We have to be clear at this point. 
Yeah, it's, it's very simple. It's extraordinarily simple. Whatever we experience, we experience as existence, as existing. Now, Shankaracharya says, or here also, what they mean is, look at all these objects. They're all different from each other. Table is different from chair, chair is different from man, man is different from woman, woman is different from the room, room is different from the city, city is different from this ocean, ocean is different from the planet. They're different things. But in all of them, existence is the same. Think about existence just like you would think like wood and table, clay and pot, water and wave. Existence is the same. A greater thing does not have more existence in it. It's a greater name and form. A smaller thing does not have less existence in it. It's a smaller name and form. Existence is the same. Focus on the existence of the things, not on the things themselves. They are telling us, focus on the existence of the things, not on the things themselves. Where do you focus? Anywhere? Wherever? Wherever you see something? A Swami in Haridwar, a devotee came, he didn't know much, much about modern technology. A devotee came and told him about X-ray and he was excited. I was there, he was excited. He was saying, oh wonderful, here is a light which is not reflected from the skin. It penetrates the skin and blood and flesh and goes to the bones. You can see the bones with the help of this light, X-ray. He says, the, in Hindi he said, Jnani ki drishti aisi honi chahiye. He said, Mahatma ki drishti aisi honi chahiye. The, the vision, the point of view, the vision of a sage should be this, thus. Like Superman, X-ray vision. <laughs> no, here it means penetrating to the reality, not getting stuck on the name and, name and form. Penetrating to the reality everywhere. Now we understand why in the Gita again and again, samadashitva, 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 it's translated very badly in English as same-sightedness, same-sightedness. It makes it sound like some kind of defect of the vision. You know, near-sightedness, far-sightedness, near-sightedness and far-sightedness. And then when you re study a lot of Vedanta books, you get same-sightedness. <laughs> Samadarshitva means seeing the same divine reality in whatever, not just seeing experiencing the same divinity, that pure existence everywhere, in every exist experience. Whatever you experience, whoever you experience. Experience can be pleasant, it can be unpleasant. It can be desirable, undesirable, it can be magnificent, it can be mundane. The same unchanging existence. That is called Sat, pure existence. That is there in everything. Now here is a little secret. You see, if I remove the name and form of something, here's a glass, if I remove the name and the form of the glass, then what remains? You see, nothing remains. No, pure existence can be experienced with the help of the name and form. So you say a glass exists. If you remove the glass, if you remove the glass of the water, the name and form if you remove, pure existence is still there. You can't experience it as an object. You will... Attend to this carefully. That pure existence remains as your own existence. It becomes one, it is one with the, with the consciousness, the witness, which we understood in the first three techniques. The witness within, the real pure consciousness, you the pure consciousness, you are also pure existence. 
It is not only in, in Vedantic terms, not only chit, pure consciousness, but also sat, pure existence. What is that? You. You, the pure witness, you are not only pure consciousness, you are also pure existence. That is objectified with the help of names and forms outside. Pure existence seems to be outside. I remember once I was explaining this to a group of novices in, the, in Belurmat. And one young monk, when he was talking about isolating the pure existence from the name and form, in everything you see this pure existence. When I said that, he said, it's me. I am that pure existence. You're right. I said, yes, you're right. It's incredible how he got it. You are that pure existence. When you remove the names and forms, there is no pure existence outside as it were. It is one with the pure consciousness, which is the witness within each of us, which is you or me. So this is the first stage, to isolate pure existence from the name and form. In our understanding, in our awareness, in our focus. Focus on that and not the names and forms. Names and forms change. Names and forms are good. Names and forms are bad. Names and forms give us pleasure or they give us pain. But the pure existence is common to everything. That is why the sage in the Gita is supposed to be same-sighted. He sees the same existence everywhere. If you focus on that, a lot of things will be solved in life. That's how the sage looks upon an enemy and a friend as the same. That's how a sage looks upon the high and the low, the rich and the poor, the learned and the ignorant as the same. Looks upon uh, gold and a clod of clay as the same. Sri Ramakrishna used to sit on the bank of the Ganges and throw money and earth into the water of the river. Taka mati mati taka in Bengali. So money and clay or, or earth are the same and he throws them. Somebody joked, you know, quipped. That he was he knew how valuable land would be very soon. So <laughs> what he meant was <laughs> no, this is just a joke. Uh, he looks upon them equal side. They are not important in themselves. What is important is the pure existence. Okay. When we begin to appreciate this pure existence everywhere, we go to the second stage where you drop the object. The object, you let it go. The object is necessary only for drawing your attention to existence. Otherwise, without an object, we are not aware of existence. Existence is as it were manifested by this object. Pure existence makes this object exist. And in turn, this object manifests pure existence. Let me repeat this. Pure existence makes this object exist. Without existence, you could not say glass exists or water exists. And without this glass, glass of water, you would not get a feeling of something existing. So the object manifests existence. This glass also reminds me of a story. You know, in um, Chinmay Mission, the founder, Chinmayanandaji, he wrote this story. I went to the place where this thing happened, actually. The Swami under whom Chinmayananda Swami learned the scriptures, Tapovan Swami, who was a great teacher of non-dual Vedanta in Gangotri. So I had gone to the place where the, the, the little hut is still there, where Tapovan Swami used to stay. 
and I met his uh, sevak, Tapuvan uh, Swami sevak, Sundaranand. I don't know if he's still alive. So I heard this story, and later on I, I read this also. Chinmanji himself has narrated it. One day they were talking about pure existence and names and forms. Now Chinmanandaji asked a question to Tapuvan Swami. So pure existence, that's the reality, yes. So let that alone exist. What is the necessity of names and forms? Let existence, consciousness, bliss, Brahman alone exist. What is the need of this world of Maya? What good does it do? Why do we need name and form? So Tapuvan Swami did not say anything. Next day when the class was going on, he asked, and he was one of those traditional teachers who insisted you should memorize everything. Um, he asked Chinmayanandaji suddenly in the middle of the class, go get me a, they have a lota, like a little pot. So go, let's say a glass. Go get me a, a glass of, uh, he says, go and get me some water to drink. I want to drink water. And Chinmayanandaji said, all right. That's a bit surprising, it's cold and... So he goes down to the river, the Ganges rushing past, and he takes a glass, actually it was that little pot, and he fills it up with water, and he brings it to the Swami, and the Swami starts shouting at him, even before he's entered the hut. Why did you disobey me? I said, he says, I got the glass of water you wanted. What did I ask for? You asked for water, and what have you got? A glass of water. Ah, glass, did I ask you to get a glass? And Chinmayananji immediately realized what he meant. He stood, he narrates, I stood stunned. How do you have glass without, without a, without, how do you get water without a container? You need a container. Similarly, to experience Brahman, you want to see Brahman or touch Brahman or smell Brahman or taste Brahman, you need the name and form of the world. You need the name and form. All these names and forms for us, they obscure Brahman. For the enlightened person, everything is a delight because everything reveals Brahman to him. For the Jivan Mukta, the enlightened, free while living, every experience, anything they see, reveals Brahman to them. Hmm. Swami Brahmananda, sitting down and the, um, de devotional music is going to be played. The, the musician is tuning the instrument and it goes on for a long time. Better the, the musician, the longer the tuning goes on, I think. So the tuning is going on for a long time. Others are getting impatient. Swami Brahmananda goes into Samadhi. The sound itself is enough for him. The sound is enough for him. So, Sri Ramakrishna, anything and everything would throw him into divine absorption. A suggestion. Somebody folding an umbrella. You fold an umbrella, that suggested to him the folding the mind back to Brahman. And he went into Samadhi. So, now we go to the next one. The internal, uh, the text, Vedantic text. The, sec the second type of external Samadhi. 28. Akhandaikarasam vastu Akhandaikarasam vastu Satchidananda Lakshanam Iti Vichinna Chinteyam Itya Vichinna Chinteyam Samadhir Madhya Mobhavet Now drop the object which you are using to understand 
existence. Glass exists. Think about existence. Drop the glass. Don't physically drop the glass. You create a mess. Now take up a text. Akhanda. Indivisible. Unbroken. What is unbroken? Not the glass. What is unbroken? Existence. Where? The glass and the table and the microphone and the person, all of them are different. There's unbroken pure existence in every, everything. And technically an Advaitin would say everything is in that unbroken existence. We, we say that, you know, would you say that the wave is in the water or the water is in the wave? We normally say that this wave has a lot of water. But actually the water, the wave is in the water. Because before the wave was there, the water was there. When the wave is there, the water is there. When the wave subsides, it's the water alone. So water is there and in the water a wave arises. Similarly, in pure, in undivided, indivisible existence, all these names and forms, whatever you see to be existence, this ocean of existence, it arises as waves in this ocean of pure existence. Every object is a wave, a big or small, a bubble maybe, in the ocean of pure existence. Ashtavakra, Mai Ananta Mahambodav, Vishwa Vichi Swabhavata. I am an infinite ocean of existence in which the universe arises as a wave. The universe arises, including my own body. It arises as a wave in the infinite ocean of existence which I am. Swami Vivekananda, even more bold here, more than a hundred years ago in California in a speech, he says, Buddha and Shankara and Jesus, uh, and, uh, Buddha and Shankara and Christ and Krishna are waves of the ocean which I am. <laughs> what a tremendous thing to say, but he's, he means it as pure existence, which we all are. We all are that, that, that pure um, Brahman existence, infinite ocean of existence. Akhanda, undivided. The objects are different, they are divided among each other. Existence is not divided. You might say that between this object and that object there is no existence. Well, there is space. Space exists. Akhanda ekarasam. Ekarasam means homogeneous, of the same type. Existence is exactly the same. It is not a more pure existence in, uh, in the temple and not a uh, impure existence in the tavern. One, uh, the, the Advaitins in the Himalayas, they will say, the light which shines upon a pot of Ganges water and a pot of wine, the light, the sunlight which shines upon them is not polluted by the wine nor is it purified by the Ganges water. Why sunlight? The space in which the pot sits, a pot with Ganges water, Ganges water is considered pure in uh, Hinduism and another part with wine maybe or maybe something impure the space is not polluted thereby the part may be considered this part is a pure one that is an impure one but the space in which it is kept is never polluted similarly pure existence is akarasam pure everywhere it is not affected by the name and form whatever the name and form Satchidananda. That pure existence is also consciousness, it is also bliss. Iti avichinna chintayam. This unbroken thought. Not thinking about it now and then forget about it. Now I'm driving and 
uh, on the and then I've got my job next week when I come back for the for the class I'll think about it again no unbroken thought wherever you see things existing and where will you not see things existing you can't escape it existence is everywhere wherever you see things existing it should get you should get that thought Every day when we eat in our ashrama, we chant Brahmaar Pranam Brahmahavi Brahmagno Brahmanautam Brahmevate Nagantavyam Brahmakarma Samadhina. What does it mean? You see, imagine ancient India where the religious ritual was the fire sacrifice. They had these huge fires in which the priests would pour oblations. And they had these big spoons, ladles, and they would take up an offering and pour it into the fire in, with the chanting of mantras. And that was the kind of offering to the gods. Now keep this imagery in mind. Arpanam means the ladle. Hadi means the offering, the, the ghee which is offered. Agni is the fire, the one who offers. This month, this shloka in the Gita, it says that the ladle which you offer, with which you offer in the fire, O priest, when you are offering with the ladle, ladle is a name and form, forget it. It is existence itself. That offering which you are pouring into the fire, that offering, ghee, the havi, that offering, that's a name and form. It is pure existence, Brahman. The fire into which you are pouring, it's not a fire. Shankaracharya says in his book, Natatagni. This is not fire. Fire is a name and form. It is pure existence. And you who are pouring, you, are, you think you are a priest who is doing a priestly duty. You are not a priest. A priest is a name and form. You are pure existence. Pure existence, pouring pure existence, by pure existence into pure existence. <laughs> Even the action of pouring is pure existence. You may think it's theoretical. Swami Brahmananda who is there, when he passed away, towards the end of his life, last day of his life, he was constantly in samadhi, in ecstasy. Moments before passing away, somebody said his throat is parched, he wants water. Do you want some lemonade? And people are standing around, they're singing the names of God and so many things were going on. Um, do you want some lemonade? Swami said, yes. And when they poured the lemon, they bought the lemonade, he said, pour Brahman into Brahman. Pour Brahman into Brahman. Names and forms he can see. But he recognizes the existence. It's not just theoretical, he feels it. So, ekarasam homogeneous, satchidananda lakshanam, avichinna, without any break. Think about it without any break. Brahma Karma Samadhina, the verse from the Gita concludes, it's fourth chapter, 24th verse of the Bhagavad Gita. It concludes, whoever sees this pure existence, when? In every action. Whatever action you are doing, talking, walking, cooking, writing, scolding somebody, being angry, everything what you are doing, if you see Brahman in that action, in this way, if you see Brahman, Brahmaivatenagantavyam, he will surely attain Brahman, surely attain liberation. This is a practice. When can you do this? All the time. Whenever you want. All the time. Just be careful on the freeway. Don't, <laughs> don't overdo it. You know, otherwise, Brahman in the form of the car might hit some other Brahman. <laughs> yeah, that'll be dangerous. As you keep doing this, you get absorbed in it. And you go into the Nirvikalpaka Samadhi. That happens by itself, just as it happened in the internal Samadhi. 29. Stabdi bhavo rasa swadat. Bhavo rasa swada. Tritiya purva van mata. Tritiya purva van mata. 
Sri Ramakrishna used to tell his young disciples to meditate. Then he would ask, do you feel a kind of intoxication coming? A kind of spiritual intoxication? You become completely absorbed in it and forget the world. And if they would say yes, he would be very happy. He says, yes, that's good. So, etei samadhi Now what do we need to do? We know the six techniques now. Three internal, three external. Now what do we need to do? We need to do them. Etei samadhi When do we need to do them? He says, Kalam Nayet Nirantaram. Spend your time without break. The Vedantic student is supposed to meditate in these six ways. Which way should you take up? Whatever you like. You get bored of one, you take up the next one. Get bored of that, take up the third one. Or come back to it again. And in this way you spend time. The more we do, the more beneficial it is for us. The more all this will become real. The more it will become real. If you have followed what is being talked about here, it will already seem quite convincing. And if we practice this, these six types of samadhi, then it will become a living reality. And it will have the power of overcoming suffering. We will get the power of overcoming suffering. See, all suffering is in name and form. All suffering is in name and form. The person who realizes this will find pure existence, pure bliss, even in the midst of disease and failure and, and frustration. It'll be nothing to him. It'll be a game to him. It'll be nothing to him. Both success and failure, honor and dishonor, life and death, disease and health, all of it. So, etei samadhi bhir, shad bhir, nayet kalam nirantaram. So these are the six techniques. Now, what are what is the result? What will happen if we do this assiduously, seriously for some time? What will happen? That we will see next week in this class, the result of all this. Um, do you have any questions? Yes, there's a question. The text is 28, verse number 28. Akhanda ekarasam vastu satchidananda lakshanam. This is the text. Akhanda, indivisible. What does it mean? Objects are divided among themselves. Glass is different, table is different, microphone is different, man and woman are different. But the pure existence is undivided. Is exactly the same everywhere. It is undivided. It, it's, not, it's not that the glass has a separate existence and the table has a separate existence. It's one undivided existence, where, wherever you see. Um, 
a Vedantic sage was asked, do you, what kind of realization is it? Are you aware of Brahman as a vague abstraction, some kind of idea? He says, no, it is as solid as a rock, as a rock filling this universe. Think about it as existence. It's true. Where is it not? So, akanda ekarasam, homogeneous. Homogeneous. There's no difference. The existence you find in a god or goddess and the existence you find in an insect is exactly the same existence. There's no difference. Difference is in name and form. Then, vastu, reality. Vastu means reality. This is reality. Sri Ramakrishna says, Bhagavani vastu arshav avastu. The Lord alone is vastu, reality. Everything else is avastu. In Vedanta Sar, when, we, when a Vedantic student begins, the first thing he or she learns, first thing in traditional teaching, vastu satchidananda madvayam brahma, agyanadi sakala jada samoha, avastu. Vastu, reality is existence, consciousness, bliss, non-dual. And starting from maya down to Everything from Ajnana, from ignorance up to the from mind, body and external universe, all of it is avastu, unreal, an appearance, name and form. Avastu, satchidananda. Lakshanam means defined as, characterized as. Satchidananda, existence, consciousness, bliss. So we'll stop here. We have run out of time. Next time we shall um, take up the result of all of this. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupa Namastu